Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight's class is titled Forgiveness, and we're going to discuss what necessitates forgiveness, when do we need to ask forgiveness, how do we ask for forgiveness, and how do we forgive. Tonight's primary class is going to be focused primarily using the Shulchan Aruch Harav, section 607, where there's a full section in the Shulchan Aruch about forgiveness. Um, and throughout we'll try and uh, really do our best to make this as practical as possible. If at any time you have any questions or comments, please, please feel free as always to ask. But before we start, let's kind of introduce how does forgiveness come to today? I mean, you probably know the answer, but why are we talking about forgiveness in, with less than 24 hours for Yom Kippur? What's the answer? The answer is that Yom Kippur is an awesome, amazing day. It's so amazing that the Gemara in Yuma, Yuma tells us that the day of Yom Kippur can atone for a sin. Just the holiness of the day can make the mark of a sin disappear. But what type of sin does What type of sin? Is the awesomeness of tomorrow night gonna, uh, going to erase? Let's look at the verse itself. It says, section number one, in the introduction, Because on this day, a reference to Yom Kippur, He will atone for you. Hashem will atone to purify you. So on this awesome day, starting tomorrow of Yom Kippur, Hashem will purify you from all your sins before God will you be purified. That's repetitious. Because on this day He will atone for you to purify you from all your sins before God will you be purified. It's repetitious. Comes the Talmud and shares with us that the Pasuk, the verse is specific. From all your sins before God will you be forgiven. But sins that you have done before man, Yom Kippur will not forgive. Let's see section number two. The implication of the previous verse is that Yom Kippur atones only for sins before God. Whereas, wrongs between man and man will not be atoned for by Yom Kippur unless one appeases the other person. Without being, without having made up with the previous person, Yom Kippur will not be able to accomplish anything. So tomorrow night is coming, it's an awesome energy coming, it can remove any stain we have between us and Hashem unless there is someone else involved. If there is another person involved, Hashem says no. You have to work with that person. Now your sin is more than just becoming friends. So Hashem says Yom Kippur can accomplish the rest. But until you have made up with your friend, that sin, that sin remains. Why is this even more pertinent in preparation for Yom Kippur? Because we don't want Satan to have any power. And if we are not at, in a good relationship with our friend, then we've given cause for complaints. Let's see section number three. To immediately appease and ask forgiveness of a person whom one has wronged 
is appropriate any time throughout the year. It's not like I'll go and hit bread on the back and say, I'll come to you before Yom Kippur. No, no, no. You should always immediately try and appease somebody. However, nevertheless, on the day before Yom Kippur, one should be especially vigilant about this so that the heart of the Jewish people will all be at peace with each other. And thus, Satan will have no opportunity to level accusations against them. We want to make sure that Satan has no power. It's very important that we're, able, we're, on a good, we're in a good relationship with our friend. So two separate items we're mentioning. Why, before Yom Kippur, it is so important to talk about forgiveness. Number one is, the awesomeness of Yom Kippur can remove any sin, but only if you have first appeased the person involved. That's A. It's like saying there's a massive, massive deal in the store. A massive deal. It's incredible. We're giving away free suits, but you have to come to the store to get it. If you don't, there's a massive opportunity Yom Kippur brings, but we have to go ahead and do what's necessary to, reme- to, to accept that special holiness and remove any trace of sin. Second of all, we want to make sure that the evil has no power against us. And if we have not uh, fixed any relationships, that is unfortunately something negative that we don't want to, that we don't want to have against us. Any questions about why we are having this conversation tonight? And hopefully... Um, by the end of the night, we'll have clarity of what and how it's done. Any questions at this moment? Fantastic. Gershon, can you pour a cup of water, please? Oh, certainly. Please. I can pour many cups okay. of water. Not at the same time. <laughs> so we're going to start off by asking, what actions necessitate forgiveness? Thank you very much. What actions necessitate forgiveness? And there's many type of actions. Some actions we know necessitate forgiveness. If you go ahead and you monetarily stole from somebody, if you, God forbid, if you hit somebody, you know, certain things we recognize, of course, we need to ask forgiveness for. But here we're learning that even if you only cause someone to get angry, that itself is going to necessitate requesting forgiveness from that person. Let's see that number one. Even if he merely angered someone verbally, he must go and appease him and request his forgiveness. So unfortunately, it's very easy to get into a fight with somebody. And sometimes we think, well, it was just... You know, I've had these experiences where someone says, I I wasn't getting angry, I was just getting, you know, I was just getting excited about it. The moment someone, the moment we've caused anger to somebody else, even though it may have only been verbal, maybe even over the phone, we should go ahead and ask forgiveness from that person. This is really fascinating. After people pass away, there's kind of a thought out there that they're dead. We could say whatever we want about them, it won't matter anymore. Comes the Chachamim, and they actually went ahead and made a Chirim. They went ahead and said that this person is in a serious ban, 
and ostracized from the community if you go ahead and spread rumors about dead people. They don't have anyone to defend themselves. And it is, let's read number two. It is an ordinance instituted by the sages of the early generations, reinforced by a ban of ostracism, that one may not disparage the reputation of the deceased. So, even though someone who has passed away, as it says in number three, even though the dead are unaware of what's being said about them, we are still not allowed to talk negatively against them. And as we see that Moshe Rabbeinu, he implied fault about the patriarchs, about Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and God reprimanded him. So, even what we will say are really simple actions of causing someone anger with, just within a conversation, or talking about people that aren't alive, even these items necessitate forgiveness. How about... This is a really fascinating question. You had an argument with somebody, and you truly believe you're right. You know you're right, and that the other person's wrong. Should you ask forgiveness from that person? They got mad at you. I think we all have in our lives some story like that where we know we're right, but someone else got upset at us. Should we ask for forgiveness? Why? You've kind of touched a sore spot or a button, if you want to, however you want to say it, in them. And you're not necessarily asking forgiveness over the issue as much as over the fact that you have pushed on a sensitive area in their lives. You know, I, I appreciate that. That you're not asking forgiveness. You're not saying that you were wrong, but you're saying, I apologize for the emotions I brought up within you. You know, I'm sorry, but it's not an apology. <laughs> it's, it's not. You're saying, I'm sorry, and I really am sorry I got you upset, but I was still right. Is that what you're saying? I'm sorry, but, and if, if there's a but in there, anything that comes after the but voids the, voids the apology. I'm sorry I got you upset, but you were 100% wrong. <laughs> you could do that too. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, there's a but. I, I agree with you. I was just making a joke, of course. Well, I agree with you, Liz. I'm sorry for not realizing there could be two sides to the issue. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great. That's a great way to say it. Two sides of the same issue. Two truths to the same issue. You're sorry for not recognizing right. that you're not the only truth. Right. You know you're true. You know, that but then you get to start fighting it, so you have to be careful how you say it. <laughs> That's the next section. What happens if you made a person angry, but you were trying to do a good deed, but this person is so committed to something irrational that it made him angry that you tried to uh, correct the situation for him. And then if you went to him and apologized, you think that'll just make his anger worse. Because it will bring up the same thing that got him angry in the first place. Because you have to apologize for what you did. And he got apologized twice. If it makes him angry. We're going to talk about that scenario. I believe we're going to address that clearly. And I believe we'll address it clearly. If we don't, at the end of the class, get back to me, okay? Okay. I have a question. My wife's always right. A lamb and wolf. Should the lamb ask apologies up front of wolf? Translated into humans. <laughs> If uh, basically lamb is a food 
source for right. wolf. Right. And wolf should eat in order to survive. Yeah. Right. And obviously lambs upset that wolf would eat them. Yeah. And can basically beat up the wolf or kill him. Should they actually give apologies to wolves? The same in humans' world. Sometimes some people they have certain use you certain amount of I would say energy power to take everything from you. Should you actually like and get to ask a, a front of Nazis apologies just because they've just been brought differently? You know, sometimes things. You know, some people they don't care about your emotional part and at the same time when you point it out on certain things they get ang angry and should you actually ask apology apologies you're asking about maybe I'm right maybe I'm wrong but there's a circumstance sometimes against I think we're going to address your question as well clearly inside but the one we'll, we'll talk about it momentarily but the one thing I wanted to point out before we continue is that there may be times that we should not ask for forgiveness. I was given one scenario by my rabbi. He, was, he said, and, and let me of course clarify, when I'm saying forgiveness, I'm not, of course you could say there's two sides to the story. And of course you could say, I apologize for angering you. That's always. The question is, for you, for, should you apologize for a certain stance that you took. And that is going to depend on what the stance was. For example, the example he gave me was that if someone is getting upset at you because you're following what the Torah is saying um, and they're asking you to do something and so if you're going to keep, if you're going to apologize for that you're actually doing something negative. You can you can go ahead and apologize for angering. You can go ahead and apologize and say, you know, I, I recognize there's two sides to this story. But there are some things that you may not want to go ahead and say that what I did, the act, the, the behind, what, what was behind what was happening, I apologize for. There are times that may not be appropriate. Just something to bear in mind, mm. something interesting. But let's talk about how does one ask for forgiveness. You know something, I see everyone is, we're right now talking about forgiving. And I see many questions have come up about when should you forgive. So let's go to the second side where it talks about forgiving. Let's learn that section and then we'll go backwards and talk about how to ask for forgiveness. But to, we will learn here three circumstances of when you do not have to forgive someone. Number one. But to start off as an introduction to the idea of forgiving, one who is asked to forgive should not be callous and withhold forgiveness. If you are asked to forgive somebody, you should forgive them. Comes footnote number two and says, Indeed, a person who does so, someone who does not forgive another, is now considered the sinner. If you have been requested of forgiveness, and you are not willing to forgive, now you are the sinner. To illustrate this principle, Rambam notes, I'll take questions at the end, Rambam notes in the following law, 
that because the Givonites did not forgive the family of King Shoal, they were ostracized. The Givonites are not among the children of Israel. This is a, a family, it's an incident that we learn in the second book of Shmuel, where because a group of people were not willing to forgive King David said, this is clear that they are not really Jewish people. They're, if they're lacking, it's a, there's a whole story behind it. But if they're lacking one of the three principles of Jewish people, which are rachamanim, compassionate, baishanim, humble, and goyim lechasadim, and kind, if they were lacking one of these three, the um, compassionate people willing to forgive, then that's reflective that they're not truly part of the Jewish people. So, when you're asked to forgive, it is important to forgive. And unfortunately, if someone cannot forgive, then they really need to do some good introspection. Aside, on the contrary, he should forgive immediately. When someone is asked for forgiveness, it is important to forgive immediately. Unless, one of three things. Unless, number one, his intent is for the benefit of the person asking forgiveness to humble his brazen heart. So if you feel that it is necessary to not accept this person's request right now, that they need to become a little more remorseful, then it would be allowed, says the Shulchan Aruch. And I was learning this on Shabbos with somebody, and they said, one second, there's a little bit of an issue here. Because now, there is an open reason that you never need to forgive anybody. Because if any, they've, they're always never truly asking forgiveness, and they need them to... What does this mean? So, I want to talk about this piece right here, this idea that you don't need to forgive someone if you feel that they still need to do a little more repentance, they need to become a little more remorseful. Two things. Number one is the Yaruch HaShulchan, a codifier from about 150 years, says practically, this is practically not common anymore, that uh, someone should withhold forgiveness to go ahead and bring the, per the other person to a deeper level of teshuva. It's something that is not practiced today. That's number one. So number one is, although it's written in Shulchan Aruch, it's something we don't practice. Second of all, I'll just share with you the source of this story. And that will kind of shed a little light. And I know some people heard this story on Shabbos, but I'll repeat it. Rav was sitting and he started a shear. He started a lecture. One person came and he started the shear again. A second person came, a third person came, and he again started the th story. At a certain point, when, at a certain point, Rav said, you know what, I'm not starting over anymore. I have to start, I just have to continue going straight. And for one particular person, he did not start over. That person took it personally. And for 13 years, Rav knocked on his doorpost, Erev Yom Kippur, 13 years, and said, Will you forgive me for that incident when I was giving a shear and I didn't start over when you came in? Will you forgive me? And for 13 years, the rabbi said, No. Asks the Gemara in Yuma 87b. The Gemara says, One second, one second. 
Number one is, we're going to learn momentarily that you only need to ask a person forgiveness up to three times. So why was Rav asking 13 times? Question number one, if you only need to ask forgiveness up to three times, as we'll learn momentarily, why did Rav ask 13 times? Answers the Gemara, no big deal. Rav was a big Torah scholar, he was a very holy person, and he went beyond the letter of the law, asking 13 consecutive years. Isn't that a long time, Dr. Malav, 13 years? ask forgiveness. But second of all, the, the Talmud asks the flip side, the rabbi who wouldn't forgive, where was he coming from? How could he not forgive? Plus we learn that someone who forgives another, we forgive him for all his sins. Quite a good deal. Right? If you forgive one person, you're going to be completely forgiven. How could the rabbi not forgive him? And that is the source of our law here, where we have a precedent of not forgiving somebody. Says the Gemara that that was a unique story. There is a tradition that if you see someone in your dreams being hung, being what? Being hung okay. on a date tree, uh-huh. the tradition is that that person is going to become the leading Torah scholar. Did you ever dream of somebody being hung on a date tree, Liz? Not yet. Because if you do, tell me. I want to know who that person is. I want to know who's, who's, who's coming up next. This rabbi dreamt, who was the leading Torah scholar at the time, he dreamt that Rav was being hung on a date tree. So the Gemara says he knew that there can't be two leaders. So he had two options. One option is to, that he's going to die. That's what the Talmud says. Uh, option A is he's going to die and Rav is going to take over. Or option B is he's going to tell Rav that Rav can't live in this town. He has to move countries. And if Rav goes to a new country, no, there could be a new, new leader. And that's what ended up happening. He didn't forgive him. Rav ended up going from Israel to Babylonia. And they both simultaneously were Torah scholars of their community, leading Torah scholars of their country. Who was the rabbi who wouldn't forgive. Could you give me one minute? I'll pull it up. I, I didn't want to make a mistake. No, 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 I'll tell you in one moment. <laughs> Obviously, he must have been well known. He, he was the leading Torah scholar of his time, 87b. Here. I'll read you the story. I'll read it to you inside the Talmud. It's really fascinating. Once Rav was expounding portions of the Bible before Rebbe. And there entered Rabchia. Okay, so Rebbe's there and now Rabchia enters. Oh, whereupon Rav started again from the beginning. As Bar Kapara entered, he started again from the beginning. As Rab Shimon, the son of Rebbe, entered, he started again from the beginning. Four times. Three times he started again from the beginning. It's his fourth. Now... Ram, Rav Hanina Bar Chama comes in and Rav says so often shall I go back and he did not go over it again mm. Rav Hanina Bar Chama took that amiss and Rav went to him on 13 eves of the day of atonement but he would not be pacified asks so far so good clear the story asks the Gemara but how could he do so did not Abyesi Barchanina say, one who asks pardon of his neighbor, need not do so more than three times? You only need to ask three times. Why was Rav asking 13? It is different with Rav. Rav was a leading Torah scholar. He went beyond the call of duty. 
asks the Gemara, but how could Rav Hanina Bar Chama act so unforgivingly? Didn't Rabba say that if one passes over his rights, all his transgressions are passed over and forgiven? How could Rav Hanina Bar Chama not forgive? Rather, Rav Hanina had seen in a dream that Rav was being hung on a palm tree. And since the tradition is that one who in a dream is hung on a palm tree will become a head of, head of an academy, he concluded that authority is now going to go to Rav. And so he would not be pacified to the end until Rav departed to teach Torah in Babylonia. And footnote number four, they quote Rashi, after the death of Rava, Rav Hanina became head of the academy. And he interpreted the dream to me that he would die soon to make place for Rav. He needs to die. If Rav is now going to become the leading Torah scholar, that means he's going to die. Well, he didn't want to die. So in order to allow for another interpretation with less fatal results to himself, he refused to become reconciled to Rav, forcing Rav to go to Babylonia, where in accord with that dream, he did, before, before long, become head of the school of Surah. Why did um, Rav go to Babylon? Well, I the mean, way the, why the other rabbi didn't forgive him, but what made Rav go to Babylon? The way the Gemara at this moment is, is um, letting us understand is that Rav saw that he's not getting along with the Torah and scholar at the time. He went for, for that reason. Right, right. So, yes, the first exception we learned when you don't need to forgive is when the other person will be brought to more teshuva, but we're just sharing that that's not something we practice nowadays. So if someone asks for forgiveness, don't go ahead and say, oh, you don't really mean it, I'm not going to forgive you. We're not going to do that. What if they don't? What if they don't what? They don't mean it. Let's see. Okay. I need to hold on for a moment. I'll tell you why. After we discuss how you ask forgiveness, mm -hmm. we'll see that it's not so easy to do it if you don't mean it. Let's, let's see how you ask forgiveness. Okay, so could you remind me that question if at the end of the night you feel we didn't answer it? Sure. Okay. A second reason why you shouldn't why you may, you ha it's permissible to not forgive someone. Alternatively, one may withhold forgiveness if he fears that forgiving will cause har harm to himself. And that was your example. You said, what happens if you need... Don't forgive someone if you're going to put yourself in danger. In such a situation, he is not required to forgive because his own life takes precedence over the life of his fellow. There are such stories where forgiving will put you in a really bad spot. You know, it's gonna, you're putting yourself out there for bad things to happen. And in that case, your life comes first. The third scenario is when someone said, when someone spread lies about you. Lies, you can never take back the lies you said. It spreads like wildfire, right? And... If someone spread lies about you, you can never be sure that everyone who heard those lies is now going to hear the retraction that they're false. And therefore, according to the letter of the law, someone that spread lies about you, you do not need to forgive. Let's see that inside. 
If a person spread a disparaging report about another, the latter is not required to forgive him under any circumstances, even if he is repeatedly asked for forgiveness. Because some people may have heard of the false rumor, but not of the appeasement. Nevertheless, it is proper to forgive even one who spread a disparaging report. So, you should always forgive someone who does not forgive himself will now become, in a certain extent, a sinner. Two scenarios where you, can, you don't need to forgive is, number one, is if it's going to cause harm to your life. And second of all, if someone spread rumors about you, with the caveat, it still is appropriate to forgive even such a person. It's getting a little late, so I'll just say outside number two. Number two is that even someone who has passed away, even someone who has passed away can be forgiven on Yom Kippur. And this is really fascinating. How would you say, what is the holiday called? Is it called Yom Kippur or Yom Kippurim? Oh, it's Yom HaKippurim. It's called in the plural. It's a day of atonement in the plural. Who's the plural? Yom Kippur is a day of atonement for those that are alive and a day of atonement for those that have passed on. And that is why on Yom Kippur it is customary to give tzedakah on behalf of the souls that have passed on. This is a merit for them to go higher and become closer to God and nothing should hold them back. So again, just regarding forgiving and forgiveness, Yom Kippur is also a day for people, both people that are alive and people that have passed on. So let's talk about how we ask for forgiveness. Um, because of time, I'm going to try and say it outside. I encourage you to take this home and review it. Number one, when you ask for forgiveness, we're now, how does one ask for forgiveness? The first thing is, and I've been trying to institute this at Maimonides, you know, a student goes and hits another student and, and they say, I'm sorry. The first thing is, I'm sorry, is not an apology. An apology is, I apologize for such and such. That's number one. You need to specify the wrong. I'm sorry is not going to cut it. You have to say, I'm sorry because I went ahead and I cut you in line for washing hands. Right? That's, that's what happened in the kindergarten. I ran, a, I ran, I ran ahead of your line. Do they still do that? <laughs> Today's kindergartners. <laughs> the one case where you don't need to specify the wrong goes to Shmuel's case. Shmuel, you said, what if you're going to anger a person even more? In such a case, you should not go ahead and specify what happened. It's still appropriate to say, you know, look, I really hope we could work this through. Um, but to go ahead and say, I really hope we could work through. You remember that conversation that got, you got really mad about? And yeah, we don't, in such a case, if it's going to anger the person even more, don't go there. But you should still ask for forgiveness. Number two, if you, every time you go, the first time you go to ask for forgiveness and Liz, this is for you, it's not a phone call. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is taking three people with you and verbally saying what has happened to the offended and in front of those people saying, I'm real, I apologize for what happened, can you forgive me? So it's a whole different, we're not talking about I'm sorry and the person's laughing on the other end, ha <laughs> I'm really sorry about it. That's not what we're talking about. This is a serious moment. Mm. There's three people with them. 
Now, if the person is not forgiven on the first... So, Shmuel's really mad at me. He's really mad at me because I ruined his herring on Shabbos. And I go to him with my friends Brett, Maxim, and Mark. Mike. And Mike. And I say, Shmuel, I'm really sorry about that incident with the herring. I, under- I, I appreciate um, how, how much it really bothered you. I really hope you're going to forgive me. Mm-hmm. No, no, say no. Mm-hmm. How can I forgive you? I've worked through what you did to my herring. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so now I have to come again with three people and do it, do it a different way. If you see inside, it says, with another form of conciliation. Maybe this time I'm going to come and write it on a card with three people. Always with three people, but a new form. I'm going to hand Shmuel a card. Shmuel says no. So I need to come a third time with three people and a new form of, of conciliation. Maybe this time I'm going to bring pizza. And I'm going to say, Shmuel, come, let's have a party. I don't know. Everyone, each to their own imagination of what the appropriate action would be. But... We do need to, if someone is not appeased on the first time, we need to go to them up to three times with three, with three people and a different form of requesting forgiveness. If after the third time Shmuel says, that incident is, is so hurtful, I will not forgive you, at that point we say, you know Shmuel, I'm sorry that you're so hurt, but after three times we don't need to go back. But Shmuel is still mad. So what we need to do now is we need to call 10 people together and in front of those 10 people say I offended Shmuel I went to him I followed exactly the protocol I went to him with three people on three different times and three different forms of conciliation and he's not willing to be he's not willing to forgive me At this moment the story is, has concluded Shmuel may be upset but the person has done what they need to Ten people. Well, let's now. Now that we've said it, let's read it really fast, so you'll see it. I'm going to read two at a faster pace. If the offended party is not appeased the first time, the offender should go back and try to appease him a second time with another form of conciliation. If he is still not appeased, he should go to him on a third time to appease him with yet another form of conciliation. Each time he goes to appease him, even the first time, he should take three people with him and try to appease him in their presence. If the offended party is not appeased even after the third attempt, one is under no further obligation to him. Nevertheless, one should state publicly, i.e., notify ten people, that he went to appease that other person, but he was refused, so that people at large will not suspect that he was not willing to humble himself before his fellow and ask his forgiveness. Does that answer your question, Liz? About I've got so many questions. Mm. Only four. On pace, that's the maximum on page. <laughs> Can I ask one more? If five? Still within the four? Yeah, please, go ahead. Um, this is almost just a slight variation. If you have somebody who doesn't act against you and they've asked you for forgiveness and then they repeat the act again and ask for forgiveness and you forgive them a second time and then they go and they act, do it a third time and maybe even a fourth time. And maybe it's worse each time. Huh. Do you keep forgiving them? <laughs> Is that your question? <laughs> That's one of my That's questions. That's funny question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about we'll, that. We'll go with that. that you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm going to hold that question. I have it in mind. I'm going to try and finish the last few details of asking for forgiveness. And then if people want, they could leave. If not, we'll try and answer this question. 
Thank you for that. There is a caveat. We said you only need to ask three times. If it's your rabbi of any sorts, um, you, you need to go repeatedly until he will forgive you. And on top of that, even, the, even though you only need to go three times, you can be strict on yourself and go in the story 13 times to go and ask for forgiveness. But what if you... Liz, forgive me. I want to finish the simple details and then I'll take questions, okay? So I want two more halachot. Number four. If you made fun of somebody or hurt somebody and they died, so now the custom is to take ten people to their gravesite. And in their presence say, I have sinned against the God of Israel and against this person whom I wronged. Rabbi Mati actually shared an incident when he was in Brooklyn and actually someone ran over to him and, and said how they had really hurt their parents' feelings and the parents had passed on and they went with a minion and did such. It's really fascinating. Halacha is extremely detailed. He should go there barefoot. Remove your shoes in this scenario. Now, however, if the person you made fun of is buried more than six miles away from where you are at the moment, you do not need to go yourself. You could go ahead and get a friend who's closer by to gather ten people on your behalf and ask for forgiveness. So even at the grave. At the gravesite, yeah. And now, if you remember, we said there's one of the caveats to not need to forgive somebody is if they spread lies about you. However, opa, ay, 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 I'm sorry. Here, here, pass. Let's put the water here. Probably, probably the. One the books. Yeah. Oh, you'll get it. I'm gonna go on. Do you, rem you do you mind? I'm gonna continue. Yeah, but yeah, I'll start over. Even, I'll, every time somebody comes in, yeah, I'll be starting over. But the fifth person is gonna get mad at me because I'm not going to. Even if someone spread spread lies about another in his lifetime, you. Sh which, if you recall, we said if you spread lies, you don't need to forgive. Let's read five inside, because I think it's really powerful. Even if one spread a disparaging report about the deceased in his lifetime, asking his forgiveness in the presence of ten men is sufficient, for we surmise, if the person were alive, he would probably forgive him. Even though you don't need to forgive somebody who spread lies, probably this person would, and therefore you should go to the person's gravesite and ask for forgiveness. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to try and make a summary, a short summary, and then we'll open it up to a few questions. And I will recognize that I probably will not have answers to many of the questions, but I'll still, I'll still allow myself to become a little, bit of, a little bit embarrassed. That's okay. We, I'll take all questions. So, let's make a summary. Number one is Yom Kippur is coming and Hashem says, I will only forgive sins to another if you first went ahead and asked for forgiveness. Plus, we don't want to have a bad stain against us when the prosecuting angel comes. What actions necessitate forgiveness? Anytime we got somebody upset, even if it was only verbally. And on top of that, we say that you should never talk against someone who has passed away. How do we ask for forgiveness? We go to the person that was offended, with three people, we verbalize what has happened and we ask him to forgive us. If that doesn't work on the first time, we go up to three times. We can be strict and go more than three times, but 
After the third, if we want to stop, that's okay. We need to call ten people together and share with them the steps we have taken requesting forgiveness. Um, if someone has passed on, we should go to the, the person goes to their gravesite with ten people and says, I've sinned against Hashem and against this person. They remove their shoes and ask for forgiveness. The person who was offended should forgive. It's appropriate to forgive and someone who actively will not forgive is, is called a sinner. In two, uh, in two primary instances, whether it's someone has, is worried for their life if they're going to forgive the person, or if someone spread lies against them, you do not need to forgive. Nonetheless, if it's a, someone has spread lies, it would be kind to forgive them. And we're mentioning here that Yom Kippur atones not only Yom HaKippurim, it doesn't only atone for those that are alive, it also atones for those that have passed on. And therefore it's appropriate to give charity on their behalf and uh, that their soul should completely be elevated and any sin removed. Yes, so feel free to, I know many people had questions, so feel free to just call out a question. Uh, though I'll try to, at, to discuss the question that was raised. The question is, that if someone is constantly repeating something against you, need you forgive them? And what well, every time? So I have a question. I don't know any details. My first question will be: Is that going to fall under the category of when you forgive them, you're now harming yourself? I don't know. We haven't discussed enough details in the case, but if what you're saying is that you're forgiving them, and because you're forgiving them, they're now repeating what's being done, perhaps that would fall under the category of causing harm to yourself. I don't know. I would, we would have to discuss it a little more. Yes, how, how uh, mm. forgive yourself, you know, About forgiving yourself? Yes. So that was the rabbi's speech on Shabbos. Um, I'm not going to go there now. That's a good conversation. But now we're talking about forgiving for incidents that happen against others. So let me give you a little scenario. Let's just say... And then we'll take Dr. Malov's and Gershon's. I saw you. Please. Yeah. That a man disrespects a woman and then asks for forgiveness, but then later on when he's with his friends or whatever in front of her, he disrespects her again. And then later on, he disrespects her again, and it just keeps happening along the way. Just to be clear, disrespect, you're talking verbally? Yeah, verbally. Okay. In, in the conversation, you know, it's like, ah, you know, she's just my, you know, she's, she's stupid, or she's not very educated, or she's whatever. Just to, to kind of put her down in conversation in front of her and his friends. Someone is constantly putting down another, oh, a man is constantly putting down a woman. Yeah, and then asks forgiveness later maybe, but then does it the same thing again. In, there is a section of halacha which discusses how you know someone is serious. There is such an idea because there are certain things that the Torah says if you do, you've now put a stain on yourself. Certain things a person does, we say, you know what, you've invalidated yourself 
as a respected person. For example, your testimony in court is not trusted anymore. And within this section of halacha, it discusses that there are things you can do to remove that stain. Um, and I think that would kind of answer your question. It's, it's going to really be um, a case-by-case scenario. It's hard to give a general rule of thumb. Um, but I think the bottom line is going to be to really to really think is this person, for example, this man, is he coming with three people on three occasions asking no. forgiveness? Right. So I, I think if the person is making, a, is making a joke of his forgiveness, that's not forgiveness. Mm. Remember, we're talking here, and that's why I said to Liz right away. The moment we, we look at forgiveness the way the Torah is putting it, it's a whole new ballgame. Um, and I think if all of us would recognize how serious the need to ask forgiveness is, that may remove a lot of anger between others. I don't know if that was helpful, but it's a thought. Maybe if they did it in front of three others, they would quit doing it. Exactly. That's, I'm exactly. sure that's the reason yeah. that they have. Um, Dr. Malaf, please. <clears throat> what if somebody um, does not ask forgiveness? Um, somebody who needs to ask forgiveness doesn't ask. Should you forgive the person anyway because you shouldn't hold a grudge? That's a great question. If someone is not asking you forgiveness... Yeah. What, what should your attitude be? Should, what should your attitude be? Every night, before we go to sleep, there's a paragraph we say that we're forgiving anyone who has hurt us. There's such a paragraph. Hareini Mochel, this is a quote. I am forgiving l'chol mishahichis v'hiknitosi. Anyone who has angered or really done something against me. So yes, it would still be appropriate to forgive. It's a very noble thing that halacha discusses to forgive all. Because if you don't forgive that person, you are a part of his, his suffering. Ultimately, you are going to be a little responsible for his suffering. And so forgive him. And Hashem will take care of whatever needs to happen. I appreciate that question. If, if you're in a position... If you're in a position to completely forgive somebody, that, that would be a very noble and holy thing. So, so long as it's going to fall within this category, it's not going to harm you, and the, person's, you know, the person um, is, not, is not going to constantly be repeating it, etc., in a way that will, yeah. It says knowingly or unknowingly, doesn't it? You forgive the person knowingly or unknowingly. If you, if you harmed a person that day. Oh, yeah. Correct, 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 correct. I just, I, I know Garrison had his hand up. Oh, it was more of a comment to, I can't remember somebody, I think it was the example of the person who, who keeps doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I assume that all these, all these rules of, for, of forgiving and forgiveness apply to a static situation. That there was some kind of avera and then there was an opportunity to give and receive forgiveness, but but you're talking about a situation that's dynamic, that's ongoing. That may not work the same way that it's laid out. Is that generally? I mean, that's a fair point. I think though, what we're adding is if someone is 
really asking for forgiveness the way it's mentioned here, you probably won't be seeing right. that, that, that it, it shouldn't be repeated. Right. Because remember, let's say you don't forgive the first time. You want to see if they're real. You want, you want to check them out a little bit. You don't forgive. Is he going to come back again with three people and do it a different way? Is, is this person serious? Or is he just, he's scared Yom Kippur's coming, so he's like, hey, you must forgive me because I don't want to get in trouble now. And there's another side to that. Um, you know, as, as parents, we sometimes have this also. If you forgive, you know, anybody, I'm just saying, sometimes you have with your children, but if you forgive and the person keeps doing the same thing, then that's actually worse because you're maybe facilitating bad behavior. That's a great point. Sometimes you need to stand up to somebody. You need to reprove them. One of the mitzvahs in the Torah is reproof. So, these are all great points. You had a question, Mike? Yeah, kind of. So when we ask for forgiveness, it's not really guaranteed that it's going to be forgiven, right? Correct. Uh, because the question comes from, should actually uh, Adam ask forgiveness from Satan? You know, when they were in Eden. You know, despite the fact... It would be the other way. Yeah. The, the, Satan, the, ask, the Satan should ask... Forgiveness for, from the person. Yeah. Right. You're but, saying, should he have done so? Yeah. I can't see why not. Sure. But God didn't give a forgiveness for what was happened. This is a very good point. You know, in, in, in Judaism we learn that there's no such thing as a punishment. Yeah, right. No such thing as a punishment. As a punishment. It's rectification. So this is important. Forgiving doesn't mean that there's no effect from what they did. If, so, if someone caused harm, forgiveness doesn't mean, oh, you don't need a... Someone crashed, someone crashed your car. Forgiveness doesn't mean you crashed my car, don't worry about any financial payments. No, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness would mean the person is responsible, but you are able to let go of any anger. Again, for, forgiveness is not removal of any issue. People need to take responsibility for what they did. What should God say? I told you not to eat from the tree, but you ate from the tree, so I'm forgiving you. No. There was a sin, and now there is a consequence. But they could still be forgiven for the sin they, sin they did. So let me try and give an example. A child goes... A, you tell a child if you're going to go ahead and, you know, if you're, going to, if you're not going to clean your room, I'm not going to take you somewhere on Sunday. And they don't clean their room. So there's a consequence. And you may even be upset at them. But the fact that you're not taking them somewhere on Sunday doesn't mean that you're angry at them. You can still forgive them for not cleaning their room, but there's still a consequence. Think about it. But does it actually help to sound to be a better person later on in this question? Because basically, yes. if you leave a chance, if you just take the chance for him to correct and grow a right behavior, 
based on precedent. You basically make this sound be more cunning in the future, smart in the future in some way, like he put all this stuff under the bed and hidden with a, pill, with a blanket, you know? <laughs> we, it's very important to keep what you say. It's extremely important to your children. If you tell your child there's going to be a consequence, you, education is keeping that consequence. The Torah tells us very strongly, someone who never hit their child didn't, didn't father their child. It's a quote. It's a quote from Shlomo HaMelech. It's not saying we need to hit your child, but it's saying that you do need to have rules, you need to have, and you need to have consequences. It's not a free-for-all. So, one more question before we, before we wrap it up. Can I ask uh, apologize ahead? You're apologizing? Ahead. You're asking for forgiveness now? Yes. We may or may not I mean, forgive you. Yes. We'll yeah. decide. Yeah. We're, we're going to decide. Asking uh, forgiveness ahead. <clears throat> oh, you're saying I'm going to hit you, but forgive me? Yeah. No. It's not. What, what, but what to punish I mean. your son, would you ask an apologist later or? What? It doesn't work. Yeah, after you punish your son, yeah. would you ask apologies up front of your son for your behavior? You're, not, a you're, not, you're not punishing your son, your consequence. It's a big difference. Punishment means that you are now getting punished. Something bad. I am going, punishment, there's a consequence, and then there is a, a fine, so to say. There's no fine. If you tell your son, if you don't clean your room, you're not going somewhere on Sunday, you're not fining your child, you're not giving, it's a consequence, it's very different. If you, if you do it correctly with your children, they're going to respect you. If you, if, if some, let me give you an example, a, a much better example. Policemen, if they were not pull you over for, for going over the speed limit, are they being kind to you or are they being mean to you for not pulling you over? They're being mean. Because no one's going to keep the speed limit. In order for that safety to be there, we need that regulation and we need someone to enforce it. They're not bad people. You know those people that go around giving parking tickets and everyone hates them? Yeah. They're not really bad people. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, you you want to have a sidewalk next to you. You want to ha you want you want to make sure that everyone's driving safely. So we have people enforcing it. But those aren't. They're mean. So give a definition <laughs> of a punishment. That's not nice when they do. But somewhere in Torah is written that humans shouldn't take responsibility of God. Only God knows why such and such punishment happened, or you know comes to the human and at the same time you know when you're talking about order like something has to we are, we are not living in the perfect world we don't expect the world is perfect at the same time um, it's not a crime to park we live, we live in the free world it's not a crime to park your car you know because who says that somebody has more authority to collect money than other you know on Torah we have clearly written if money are on the road and two people who first come, those take. But it doesn't mean that law would protect the person who took because it, the money should be taken by the human who really needs it and God would send the person to get this 20 cents, uh, I don't know, the coin, you know, or whatever on the floor. If you don't need, don't take it. It's not yours. But in this world, it's not a perfect world. So you start protecting rights of power, right? Let's talk more about this after the class. Oh, I yeah. No, no, no. I'm happy to address it. I'm happy to address it. 
Let's conclude with this question. How do you know what's a punishment? How, what was the question again? You were giving a, an example of a consequence. Right. Not give an example of a punishment. So that I'll tell you a I punishment. I'll, I'll tell you a punishment. Yeah. Jail. Jail is something the Torah does not agree in. The Torah, this, the Torah thinks that jail is incorrect. There is no such a punishment in Torah as jail. Why? Because if someone stole money, so make them return the money. If someone went ahead and hurt another person, so put them in a program to heal them. But the idea of locking somebody up is a punishment. It's not a logical, it, it's not a consequence. It's not something that's going to help you become a better person. That is a punishment. That's why also the Torah does believe in capital punishment. Because the Torah says ultimately if the person cannot, if the person cannot exist amongst other people, then they can't be on this world. But if they can exist with other people, then there's no jail. Figure out how to fix it, but don't put them in jail. Jail is a punishment. Thank you very much, everyone. Feel free to stay if, if you'd like to talk, but thank you.